the Volleyball Training Podcast, a show made by athletes for athletes, talking about the nuances of training in volleyball. Hi, welcome to episode three of the Volleyball Training Podcast by Young Fitness. My name is Willie Young, joined as always by our co-host, Rachel Selecki. Hello. Today, uh, we also have our newest member of the team joining us, Mariah Walsh. Mariah is uh, a very accomplished volleyball player. She is a former U-sport athlete. She played five years as a setter at the University of Alberta as a panda. She is a three-time Canada West All-Star, a Canada West champion, a two-time U-sport national silver medalist, a one-time bronze medalist at the U-sport national championship, uh, played professionally in Germany and has spent time with the Canadian women's national team and the full-time training center. We're really excited to have Mariah working with us uh, and excited to have her here with us today. Mariah is going to be working with our clients in the one-on-one and small group strength training and on-court environment. Uh, and we are very lucky to have her. She'll be working with our group programs as well. Uh, I'm very excited to have Mariah as part of the team as well. Uh, she's providing diversity to our team. We, until this point in time, Connor, myself and Rachel, we're all outside hitters. And so we can coach you to a certain degree as a setter, but uh, we now have a setter joining our team, a very experienced, good setter joining our team. So we're happy to provide that to our athletes. She comes from a different coaching tree. She's a panda. She played Team Canada. She played pro. And uh, we're once again adding another strong, strong woman to the team. So really excited to have Mariah as part of the team. Welcome, Mariah. Thank you. you. (laughs) Thanks for that intro. Um, I'm super excited to join the team. And thanks for having me today. Hi, everyone. So today's topic, uh, we're going to hop into this right away here. Uh, Today's topic is going to be how to plan your off-season training during a pandemic. So as of just last, was that last Wednesday, we have been completely shut down for in-person services. Prior to that, uh, we had actually set up Muscle Beach out front of our facility. So we were training people outside. Uh, the week before that we had been kicked out of the facility. So we moved everything outside, had been training people outside. It was wicked. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But now, um, now we're completely shut down once again. So we're going to talk about how you can start developing yourself a training plan, especially now in this unique off season that we're now entering during a pandemic. So first and foremost, Let's uh, let's get this thing over with. Let's get back inside. Let's um, let's get Muscle Beach up and running again. Let's get Alberta Society and wherever you are. <laughs> uh, let's get back to normal here. Everyone, go out, get vaccinated. Let's. I'm ready. I'm ready to return to life. How about you guys? Super yeah. ready. <laughs> <laughs> I have my vaccine booked. Um, Will, I know you had yours. Yes. I had my vaccine on, uh, I think it was Monday, Monday afternoon. So uh, that was good. It was a really good experience, actually. Smooth sailing. I was at the TELUS Convention Center here in downtown Calgary. Um, everyone was following protocols. Uh, smooth sailing from from parking to back into the car was an hour flat. So um, nice. don't let that deter you. Let's get out. Let's get <laughs> vaccinated. I'm ready to get back to society. Uh, But what I will say, I was actually really concerned that I didn't get vaccinated. The needle was in me for like half a millisecond. It was like in, (laughs) out. And I like almost turned to the lady. I was like, "Uh, are you sure you pulled the trigger on that thing? Like, I want to make sure I got vaccinated. Um, Are you just trying to say you're too jacked, Will? Is that what you're trying to say right now? You might need to reinforce that needle. (laughs) I just work out too much. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was like in, out. I wasn't even sure she pulled the trigger. I don't usually get um, any kind of pain from getting a needle or symptoms or anything like that. So I was like actually concerned if she had actually pulled the little plunger thing to make sure that thing got into my arm. Uh, but I actually did wake <laughs> up yesterday and my my shoulder was sore. So I'm going to take that as a sign I actually actually did get 
the vaccine. So I'm pretty <laughs> pumped about that. When are you scheduled for, uh, awesome. Mariah? Not till I think it's like the 26th. Um, and that was through the, the online system. I'm also on some waiting lists for pharmacies, so maybe it'll come sooner than that. But yeah, it was crazy. Um, lots of people in line and one of my friends actually was booking it for me. She had several computers going. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're going to have to hack it, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because like you go on there and then I like went on there during one of my lectures and was like, you can see your spot in line. And yeah. it's like, there's like 80,000 people in front of you or something. And then you get your, your turn to like book but that only stays open for like two minutes. So you actually have to be like watching it. And I wasn't like, I was on the lecture and I was just like clicking back and forth, like every like 10 to 15. And so I missed my two minute slot to like book in. But I think like, it's a really good sign that there's so many people out there that are eager to get this vaccine. So that's great. Definitely. You know what the key is to getting in? What? Be older. Be old. <laughs> oh, we'll work it on it. Option, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've actually been doing a pretty fun thing around the house here that I'm going to encourage you guys to do once you get your vaccine, maybe with your significant other, siblings, friends, family. Well, if you're in their bubble, of course, mm-hmm. is uh, the girlfriend and I have started to punch each other's boluses. So <laughs> Bolus is where like the vaccine comes in and it like leaves you that little like bump on your shoulder and that's where like the bruise is. So we'll run around the house and I'll just be like bolus punch. And no, uh, no, it, it's fun times. It's fun times. So we're creating a new game out of it and uh, I encourage you guys to play along as well. Super fun. Fun during COVID is a new low. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen those Instagram videos of like families like making like COVID Olympics and stuff. (laughs) The bolus punch is just a new part of the game. Yeah. Love it. Perfect. We'll send some videos of our bolus punches. (laughs) That's just a gross reel. Send a highlight reel. Punch as many boluses as you can, but only in your bowl. Yeah. <laughs> only in your bubble and yeah. be moderately gentle because I have overdone it a couple times. It's supposed to be like a fun kind of game. And sometimes I forget how big I am. And okay. So- Again, Will. He forgets how big he is, Rachel. so big. I like, I got this needle and I couldn't even, wow. I couldn't even feel it. I'm just so jacked. I punch too hard sometimes. I actually <laughs> arms. I'm just so jacked. The context behind this is the girlfriend is half my size, literally half my body weight. So when I think I'm horse playing, sometimes it's a it's a little much. Okay, that's the context. All right, all right. We know you're jacked, Will. It's fine. Thanks, guys. I try really hard. (laughs) Okay, shall we jump into this, guys? Yeah, let's do it. it. Bless you. Okay. um, So, Will, (laughs) what are some considerations that athletes? should think about when they're planning their off-season training? Yeah, so I think the first thing we're going to talk about when you're planning any kind of training plan is going to be what time of year it is um, or season-long periodization. So when is your next major um, date that you are training for? So the nice thing for us being a volleyball-specific company, for the most part, these follow the same flows every single year. We know that um, for your in-season training, we're kind of periodizing from December until mid-May when you'd have nationals. That's your big event. Then we go into your off-season and we have from mid-May through till September when you're going back to your school volleyball team. And then we know you're going to be rejoining the club again, probably around December. Pretty similar flow for a university athlete as well. Uh, finishing your season maybe a little earlier. If you're lucky enough to be in the national finals, you're going to be about mid-March. And then um, we typically take a little bit of time off, let the bodies kind of return to baseline before we hop right back into training. So that usually puts you back into the full-on training environment by late April, early May, going hard at it again and following that same flow back to your first semester again in September there. So First thing we want to talk about is where you're at in that season. Um, With today's context, having pretty much just finished the club season that never was, uh, we are entering your off season. So typically at this point in the year, we're going to 
potentially do a general preparation phase. So I don't necessarily think that's um, that important this season because you didn't really get a club season. So we did go from December until just recently here, um, mid-April, but the season was shorter than it typically would be. You had no tournaments on weekends. Uh, you might have even practiced less because the, the yeah. teams were typically split into groups of under 10. So yeah. your body did not take the same beating that it typically would take during a regular club season. So we may or may not need to give you that downtime and those very easy kind of ease in workouts, more like an active recovery time. Um, but you still may need a certain amount of general preparation. Uh, that would be for athletes that potentially have never done anything in the gym before or athletes that are dealing with injuries or just, you know, even though I'm saying that the volleyball season wasn't terribly aggressive this year, maybe you're still feeling it. So you have to use your body as kind of the guideline, whether you need to be performing that general preparation phase, or you can hop right into your kind of hypertrophy phase. That's typically what we do as the off season goes on, especially working with the clientele we work with. It's going to be your general prep phase right into hypertrophy into a strength phase and probably get a power phase done before you are back playing volleyball on a regular basis. Um, side note on a regular year, you'd also have team Alberta. So yeah. team Alberta is awesome or whatever your provincial team is. Team Alberta is awesome. It's a great experience. It gets you exposure to some of the best coaches, but I have a love hate relationship with it because it doesn't <laughs> provide athletes downtime and right. it doesn't provide athletes the time to get healthy. So we do see the athletes that are becoming season long volleyball players getting more and more injuries really some of the best athletes are the ones that are the most broken because they never get downtime and they never get a prolonged period of time to train, 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 train. Uh, so that's one of the things that this year is awesome. You don't have that. I mean, we'd all love for you to be playing team Alberta and getting that exposure and getting that great coaching. But this year is a time to maximize um, getting healthy, getting strong, becoming a better athlete, um, stronger athlete, well-rounded athlete in the weight room. So that would be the first one I'd talk about would just be the time of the year and the season long periodization. Anything I missed there? No, I don't think so. I think that was pretty good. It all sounds good. I'm pumped. (laughs) The next thing I'd probably hop right into, and we kind of touched on it there would be injuries. Um, often, and we talked about this with the general preparation phase and whether you need to be doing that or not, we're going to use that time to take care of our injuries. We cannot get you to a strength or a power phase. If we are starting with an injured athlete, we have to be starting with a healthy athlete. So if you have patellar tendonitis, if you have back pain, if you had an ankle sprain, that's kind of unresolved, we need to deal with those issues first. Otherwise, the bottom of your pyramid is broken and crumbling, right? (laughs) We want to get you to those strength and power phases, those top of the pyramid where we're really starting to get vertical jump, where we're getting speed, where we're getting hitting power. But we can't get you there if we have a crumbly base. So let's make sure that we've dealt with your your injuries. Uh, Often what we will do during a general preparation phase, and this might even, this might even go right into tie in with your hypertrophy phase is we're going to utilize a lot of isometrics and eccentrics, uh, because a lot of the injuries we're seeing in volleyball, we do get your acute injuries, but the majority of the ones we see are chronic injuries. They're chronic shoulders, they're chronic knees, patellar tendonitis, patellar femoral, patellar tendinopathies, probably a better way to say that. Um, and we know that isometrics and eccentrics are amazing for tendon and ligament health. Mm-hmm. So let's make sure that our tendons and ligaments are ready for what we're going to put them through over the next uh, three, four months before we're getting back on the court. So take care of that first. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I definitely agree with that. Like if you have a nagging injury, don't ignore it because it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Like, you know, we're, we're all mentally tough. We're athletes. We have to be, but when you're injured, that's not a time to be mentally tough. You have to be mentally tough in the way that you 
you know, sometimes um, take a step back, take yourself out of maybe a couple of practices to make sure that you're going to be able to be healthy so you can perform at your, at your best level. Yeah. And I think there's definitely a time and a place to uh, battle through an injury. If you have patellar tendinopathy and you're about to play in the national finals and Mariah goes to her coach and says, I don't, I don't think so coach. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that's ridiculous. We're going to play through certain injuries. So when you get to the tail end of that season, um, this thing is nagged and it's nagged and it's nagged let's take care of it because most of the injuries we are seeing are overuse injuries. So this is your time to underuse that joint, let it return to baseline and strengthen it so that it never comes back. Totally. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a challenge right now, maybe for some athletes. um, Sometimes you can forget about those nagging injuries when you're not playing. Um, I know for me, I had Achilles problems forever and, I was always reminded of it because I was always playing, but in this situation where most athletes are off the court for a while, um, it's sort of like a discipline thing where you've got to remind yourself that long-term goal of next year, how do you want to feel on the court or in six months um, and kind of put the work in now. But I was thinking um, with eccentrics and um, isometrics, those seem like things that like, that seems like a great thing that people could do right now because it's, um, you don't need, big weights necessarily. Do you think it's a at home type of thing that people could do? Definitely. So there's a lot of ways that you can start to challenge yourself. Even if you're working with body weight, um, we, two podcasts in third podcast, here we go talking about Bulgarian split squats again, (laughs) but I haven't met an athlete that is not challenged by an omit one minute Bulgarian split squat isometric. Hold that bottom position for a minute. I bet you that's pretty hard with zero weights in your hand. Now, don't forget, you can always go grab a, a log. A girl tagged us the other day, oh, yeah. uh, Lara Ironside, <laughs> shout out. Uh, you can awesome. find a log in your in your backyard, put it across your back, um, backpack full of weights, water jugs, whatever. You can always find ways to load things. But one of the top ways that we can make even body weight exercises more challenging is increasing the time under tension. So how long your muscles are under tension in that exercise. So an isometric is the definition of that. We're holding a position, one joint angle for one minute or eccentrics. Now, instead of doing your Bulgarian split squat, we're doing it for a five second lowering. So you're still doing 10 reps, but all of a sudden that time under tension has gotten up to 60 or 70 seconds. So absolutely such a great way to challenge you yourself, I should say. Uh, I do want to touch back on something else that Mariah brought up. Amazing point. Great point about forgetting about some of these overuse injuries. Some of you didn't really have a real season. So you might think your patellar tendinopathy is better. It's not. The greatest sign of or greatest indicator of getting patellar tendinopathy is whether you've had patellar tendinopathy before. So just because it feels good right now when you hardly had a season and have now been off for three or four weeks doesn't mean it's gone. So if my suggestion is if you're a patellar tendinopathy person, even if you feel good right now, do some kind of a general preparation phase. If you're a shin splint person, even if they feel good now, do a general preparation phase. If you're a shoulder person, you see where I'm going with this. So just (laughs) because you don't feel it right now, chances are you just didn't have a challenging enough season to have any of these issues arise. We've got lots of athletes uh, this year that I've circled them. They're always the athletes that I check in and say, Hey, how's your, how are your knees feeling? How's this feeling? How's that feeling? And this year they're saying, Oh, it's good. It's gone. And it's probably not gone. It might be better, but it's probably not gone. So I thought that was a really, really good point. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So what about um, having different types of equipment? Because we're in this sort of lockdown phase again for the next three weeks. And, you know, some people have nothing and some people have full gyms in their, in their basements or whatever. So how do we, how do we sort of manage with um, those different types of situations? Yeah. And that, and that can be challenging, Um, not necessarily being a fitness expert. If you're 15 years old and you're just starting on your your journey, that can be challenging to know exactly what to do. So first and foremost, remember that there are professionals out there that can help you. 
Um, <laughs> shameless plug for our brand here. <laughs> we, we do programming. We can help you figure out exactly what you should be doing. So yeah. make sure you reach out to someone if you're totally lost and make sure uh, you're on something that's appropriate for you. Um, obviously, even a better case scenario, which we can't do right now, would be work with someone one-on-one, small group, just for a little bit even. Um, hop in there, learn your movements, learn how to do them really well. And then if you're a motivated athlete, you can do it on your own. Absolutely. But um, yeah, so I understand this can be a little overwhelming. So we'll try and give you a little bit of guidance. So if you are a full, if you have like a full gym at home, you're, you're lucky. you got a squat rack, you got dumbbells, maybe you've got a cable machine, or quite frankly, you can wrap some uh, bands around a post for that. You've got an awesome, awesome gym we'd be giving you our kind of typical off-season programming. So once again, if you're an injured athlete, we might take care of those, or we might toss in some of these isometrics, eccentrics like we talked about, but we're going to hop right into, if you're healthy, we're going to hop right into a hypertrophy phase. So make sure um, you're taking care of that hypertrophy phase. A lot of us, um, we know that one of the first steps in force production is increasing your cross-sectional area of muscle. So if we look at the average 15 year old, the average 16 year old, you look like you're riding a chicken. So make sure (laughs) that you have some cross-sectional area to your muscle. So we're going to hop you right into a hypertrophy phase. Hypertrophy phase. How does does someone look when they're riding a chicken? I don't know if I've ever seen someone ride a chicken. I I haven't either. (laughs) (laughs) What? Can you ride ostriches? I feel like people ride ostriches. I or think that people do that. <laughs> I think I've heard of that. Cartoons. <laughs> the analogy is that they have these little stick legs going like tick, 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 tick. So <laughs> don't have ostrich legs or chicken legs. Have big, strong um, trees. Tree trunks. Trunks. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> Woo! <laughs> Build a forest. That's it. That's it. Uh, so yeah, if you got that full gym programming, we're going to get right into hypertrophy. Um, we used to say hypertrophy was eight to 12 rep range, uh, was what we were looking for. Now there's a lot of other ways to classify hypertrophy. Um, that's myth. Well, it's not really a myth, but eight to 12 reps is pretty old school. So now what we like to talk about for hypertrophy is something like 40 to 60 seconds time under tension. So if you're doing 10 reps, it should take you about 40 to 60 seconds to complete those 10 reps. So you might be playing with your tempos to keep those reps to 40 or 60 seconds. Um, Another thing I've recently been exposed to is the concept of stimulating reps. So uh, what they're finding more and more with hypertrophy, it doesn't matter if you're doing three reps or you're doing 100 reps, as long as within that context, you are getting three to five stimulating, challenging repetitions. Mm. So if it gets really hard on rep 95, (laughs) six, 97, 98, 99, and a hundred are causing you growth to your Mm. system. Yeah. So anything that gives you the kind of that Bernie sensation to that muscle group that we often are striving for, which we don't have to, by the way, in a strength and a power phase, but that Bernie sensation is probably uh, good to do right now with your full gym setup. So for us, we're going to use some kind of uh, obviously a warm up and whatnot, but we're going to get right into some kind of an explosive lift. We're probably going to pair that explosive lift with some kind of a explosive jump. We are going to do a kind of squatting pattern. We're going to pair that with some upper back We're going to do a lunging pattern. We're going to do something for the glutes, the hamstrings, and some core. So anything you can think of with your home gym um, that kind of follows that context is probably going to be beneficial to you during this time. Nice. Okay, so summer goals equal no chicken legs. That's right. That's step one. It's, you know, when I get a, when I first start working with like a university athlete, I just give them the eyeball test. I scan them up and down and I'm like, okay, we got some work to do. Uh, (laughs) Even at the university level, we often see athletes who are coming in, um, haven't been exposed to this stuff and they're riding a chicken. And so once again, I just start putting them through the ropes with some really, really challenging workouts. 
until, and I still just use the eyeball test for this. I've gotten decently good at it. Look them up and down and you'll know at some point here, you'll be like, yeah, we're good. And we move on to strength and power phases at that point in time. Let's not forget too, that that hypertrophy phase plays a big role in injury prevention. So a lot of injury prevention is locking in joints with muscle. So we need a certain amount of muscle around a joint, some structure around a joint so that um, loads go through the muscle instead of through the tendons and ligaments. So don't forget about that either. We often talk about performance, jumping higher, sprinting faster, but I also want to see some muscle mass around those joints from an injury prevention side of things as well. Yeah. I think you call it armor. Well, sometimes, and I really like that one. Um, Just thinking about protecting kind of the stuff that gets injured all the time. Um, That's exactly it. Armor. Um, so armor around the the knee joints, just going to be your quad heads, your VMOs, your your VLOs, uh, your glutes, your hamstrings. Um, we'll give Rachel some kudos. Rachel didn't have shoulder issues really, right? Never. Never, never had shoulder issues. If you scroll <laughs> back on our Instagram page far enough, we have uh, a few years ago when Rachel was still an athlete of mine at UFC, uh, before she's become this fantastic trainer, uh, there's a picture of her upper back. I think she's doing farmer's carries and her rotator cuff. You can see every muscle in it. It's surrounded by armor. So, um, yeah, a huge factor. You want to look like you are surrounded by armor. And if you look at our, uh, our staff, uh, we're obviously people who are passionate about strength and conditioning and love to get in the gym but all of our staff looks like we're surrounded in armor. So um, <laughs> that's why you all got hired, by the way. Love it. There you go. We got awesome. strong arms. Yep. <laughs> but that is a great point though, especially with the shoulder joint, that's a ball and socket joint, right? We can do all these crazy movements. I know you guys can't see me, but I'm waving my arms around like a weirdo. Um, <laughs> She's flexing again. Yeah, I'm flexing for the camera. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's that's why we can do all these movements. And as an outside hitter, right, your arm is what you're depending on for your position. So if you don't have that surrounded by that armor, it's going to become, yeah, really hard to play um, two full matches every weekend, right? Yeah. And we're going to talk about, we're going to have an injury prevention episode here where we talk about the typical volleyball injuries. Um, So I won't give too much of that away now, but uh, I really do think that shoulder injuries in particular, just because we're talking about it, are the most preventable ones in volleyball. Make sure you have the necessary range of motion for your sport and make sure you have armor around that joint. It's a complex joint. It can do a lot of things, but stacking muscle around that joint is not hard. Yeah. And that's probably your first line of defense in those shoulder injuries. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, speaking of what are some specific movements that athletes should make sure that they include in their off season training? Yeah. Um, well, actually, first of all, I'm just recognizing now that I probably didn't even talk about, uh, some equipment or no equipment people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I was going to hop right back into it. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm talking too much again. And, uh, then I remembered (laughs) that I forgot, uh, some equipment and no equipment. So let's, let's do that first. Cause I can then talk forever about exercises and movements. Nice. And Bulgarians. So we talked about the full gym, kind of just doing your typical programming, uh, whether that includes a GPP phase, a general preparation phase, or a hypertrophy phase, whatever you're going to jump right into, you can do that with your full gym. If you are a a some equipment person, that's how we're calling it is I have some equipment. Um, It's pretty impressive through COVID here. A lot of us have collected something. So Almost all of our athletes have something. They have a couple pairs of dumbbells. Some of them have like those spin lock barbells or dumbbells. So you have weights, but you might not necessarily have big enough weights. So if you're in the gym with us and you're used to squatting 200, 300 pounds, now I can't do that at home because I only have 35 pound dumbbells. What do we do? So the biggest change that I make to those programs 
Um, remember, we're still following the same school of thought, hypertrophy, 40 to 60 seconds time under tension, three to five stimulating repetitions. So we can alter our program to still get those effects without a massive load. Obviously the massive load is beneficial, but we can still get at least those um, components of a strength training program, even with just a couple pairs of 35 pound dumbbells. So here I go again, talking about Bulgarian split squats, but you might not be able to squat because now you've got a 35 pound dumbbell, your goblet squatting a 35 pound dumbbell, but you were doing 300 pounds in the gym with us. So, okay, maybe squats don't really make sense anymore. So instead, let's make that a Bulgarian split squat. You've got 35s in each hand. Even for someone who squats 300 pounds, 35s in each hand are decently challenging, especially when we start to add in things like isometrics and eccentrics into those, tra that, those training protocols. Or for hypertrophy, we talked like you can go right up to 100 reps as long as you're getting five stimulating reps. So just slap on a lot of reps right now. Um, especially in the beginning of an off season, it doesn't have to be terribly sport specific. Really, is training ever sport specific? A lot of the things we do don't look like volleyball. So don't overthink it. Just make sure that you keep moving and loading those muscle tissues, um, getting that hypertrophy effect. So just modify some of those movements. Maybe you then put your goblet squats, maybe you have a 50 or 60 pound dumbbell. Maybe you put your goblet squats at the end of your workout after you've already done Bulgarian split squats. So now my legs are exhausted from my Bulgarian split squat. So when I go to do a 60 pound goblet squat, which typically wouldn't challenge me, at least mm -hmm. now my legs are exhausted and it kind of does challenge me. The rest of it, we can do the same. Maybe you can't barbell snatch, but you can dumbbell snatch. Maybe you're dumbbell push pressing, maybe you're kettlebell swinging, some kind of explosive lift. Um, the rest of the training day can be the same. You just have to modify what lifts you're performing and play around with rest times, time under tension to make sure that it's challenging you. For sure. Totally. Now, uh, before I forget, we'll <laughs> hop right into uh, no equipment. So no equipment's a little trickier. So we do still have some athletes that like don't have a single dumbbell or maybe they have tens. So tens at that point, especially if you're a 16, 17, 18 U athlete, tens probably count as no equipment. You might be able to do some of our shoulder circuits with that, but it's not going to challenge you in a chest press. It's not going to challenge you in a lunge. It's not going to challenge you in a squatting pattern. So uh, with the no equipment group, we're going to shift our priority a little bit during this time. So we might focus a little more, once again, GPP, if we have to, general preparation phase, but we're going to shift our priority a little more towards coordination, movements, um, body awareness. So we might just try and expose our joints to a couple different planes of motion, really just trying to become a more coordinated, well-rounded uh, athlete. The other thing we talk about a lot, we're really, really big on force times velocity equals power. So power is our greatest indication of a really good vertical jump or an athlete that sprints fast, force is how strong are you, and velocity is how quickly you can put that force into the ground and move fast. So um, we might shift our focus where most of the time I'm saying to young athletes, we need to focus on the force side of that equation get so much stronger. There's, there's no point in how quickly you can um, get your revolutions on your engine up if your engine's small. We got to have a big engine first. So most of the time we're talking about increase your force, then we'll start to focus a little more on the velocity side of the equation. But if you have no equipment, maybe now is a good time to focus more on the velocity side of things. Sprinting, one of the best exercises in the world. Get outside, do 10 sets of sprints three times a week. I bet you, you get faster. I bet you, you jump higher. <laughs> For sure. So, Up a hill. hill yeah. Actually, Mariah hopped on the Instagram today and was out in the field doing some hill sprints. Was that this morning you were doing those? The video was from last night. Um, yeah, but it's always, it's always good. And I just find even back when I had knee pain or whatever, I, I never felt like hills made it worse. So <laughs> that's kind of a nice perk. Yeah. And, and, and that's good too, because the, the hills, you can still work on that maximum velocity, but because you're going up a hill, you're kind of getting a certain amount of force production to that as well. 
Yeah. And an interesting point about it not hurting the knees, because, and I would say my hypothesis is that because you're stepping up, your foot isn't coming down with such great velocity. It's like kind of like you're, um, you know, stepping onto a box in, or landing onto a box instead of landing onto the floor. It's not coming from such a high height to make contact with that ground. Mm -hmm. So yeah. really good thing to consider if you're uh, one of those knee people is that could be an option for you. If you are one of those knee people, you could also walk up that hill backwards. We love that one. Uh, <laughs> did that a that lot. Super fun. <laughs> yeah. Did that a lot in outdoor speed and plyo days last year. So a program we run and hope to run this year in June, July, August. Uh, that's exactly what we do. We took everyone outside during COVID because some of the, some of us just don't have equipment and we work as worked on the velocity side of the equation. So we ran the hill, we went up backwards on the hill. We did some hurdle hops. Uh, what else do we do? Some alternating jump lunges, stuff like that would be really good if we're shifting our focus from strength to velocity for now. But remember, um, you honestly, you just can't escape the fact that you're still going to need that force production at some point in time. Mm -hmm. We can work on that velocity side of the equation, but as soon as you have access to the gym, you have to work on the force side of the equation as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just had one quick thought while you were talking more about the force side of things. Um, but I think when either you've got little equipment or no equipment, um, it's kind of a good opportunity for some of those unilateral things that we don't always do either. Um, I know I didn't start training a lot of that stuff until I was um, in Europe and the gym wasn't as well equipped as when I was used to at U of A. And so I had to do a lot more lunging and different planes of motion and just movements that require less load um, that are still challenging. And I think that really helps balance us out and kind of get more aware of the um, yeah, I guess the lack of balance in a lot of athletes. Yeah. And that's a great point. I think this is also a great time to check some of the boxes in athlete development that we don't always check. So yeah. you're, the, the gym is pretty predictable. Even our model is, is very much um, sagittal plane forward and back. Right. So yeah. we don't always in the gym expose our athletes to lateral movement Um so what, one of the things we really like to do is start to get some athletes doing some lateral lunges. We hardly ever do that in volleyball development, but we should. Uh, it's just a hard thing sometimes to fit into your programming when you want to get your big rocks done, right? But yeah. now you have time to get some lateral lunging in, some curtsy lunging in, so your knees exposed to some torsion, some twisting forces. So yeah, 100%, expose yourself to different planes of motion, some greater emphasis on unilateral training. Super good point. Awesome. Okay. Shall we jump into the uh, specific exercise recommendations? Yeah, I think we're ready. <laughs> we Rock go. and roll. All right. So, um, so some of the things you need to think about including in your off season training, I'm um, just going to touch back on it one more time. You've heard it already. Don't be riding a chicken. <laughs> hypertrophy, 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 hypertrophy. I think that's what makes us unique as a little volleyball specific business is that we work with so many youth athletes that this becomes more and more important. So if you get a kinesiology degree or take a good training certification, they're going to kind of teach you that during your strength and even more so your power phase is where we're going to get the most of our results when it comes to um, vertical jump and speed training is your strength and your power phases. So low reps, very, very intense. And I think that that science is correct. But one of the things I've experienced is that we actually see most of our athletes get their most increase in vertical jump and speed during hypertrophy phases. And that's because we work primarily with youth athletes who haven't been exposed to this. So you could make an argument that that's why is because they haven't been exposed to this. And because we give them their hypertrophy phase first, that we're going to see the greatest mm. return on the first program we ever gave them. But then I do see it year after year with university athletes as well. When we're going through our hypertrophy phases um, and we test them, they get better results. So just because the science says 
And, and we've talked about this. Force times velocity equals power. Power is our greatest indication of a vertical jump. So you would think that a power phase is where we're going to get the most bang for our buck with vertical jump. Just because the science says that doesn't mean that you are ready for a power phase. You might yeah. benefit more from a hypertrophy phase at this point in time. So, you know, we might have some professional athletes listening to us. We might have some really high level university athletes who need to get to strength and focus on strength and power phases more. But to the bulk majority of you, we need to get more hypertrophy done. So make sure you are including a lot of hypertrophy um, in your programming. Check yourself out in the mirror. Even measure your legs if you want. Measure your legs at the beginning. If you haven't added an inch to your quads and hamstrings, some of the biggest muscles in your body, you're probably not ready for that strength phase. Do you remember, Will, after my second year or something like that, I told you that I couldn't get into any of my jeans anymore and you were so proud of me? She's <laughs> done. She's ready. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. I, did, I didn't remember that, but I've heard that before. When you can't fit into your favorite pair of jeans, we're ready for your strength phase. <laughs> yeah. It was sad, but, I mean, it was sad and happy at the same time. Sad to say goodbye to those jeans, but happy to say hello to more powerful legs. Bigger and better things. It's always the lats for me. <laughs> That's a rare one. The lats fill out first. Yeah, just yeah. wait. Have <laughs> you see. seen Mariah's lats? <laughs> Mariah's pretty shredded. Uh, we'll yeah. give her that. A lot of it's the lats, but anyhow. <laughs> you know what I'm happy about, Rachel? What? You may have lost that pair of jeans, but yeah. here you are, post-volleyball career, both knees intact, shoulders intact, ankles intact, ribs ribs did i just say ribs i mean low- <laughs> your ribs yeah. are also good I've never i was like wow rib, i'll tell you that <laughs> i didn't know she had rib problems too <laughs> neither did i <laughs> oh congratulations never had a rib problem <laughs> well thank goodness because yeah. all that training you did i guess thank goodness yeah that's a, that's a common volleyball injury rib dislocation <laughs> oh all right all right back at it what else do we need to include uh this is a huge one include and maintain impact during uh your training this off season so we know uh let's go back to patellar tendinopathy again we know that tendons and ligaments do not like fluctuations to volume so there may be time to have a little downtime on those tendons and ligaments. Like you're just finished a grueling season. You made it to the national championships. It was a long season. You worked your butt off. There's time absolutely to have a little downtime, but we want to make sure that we're getting you back into at least a basal amount of impact pretty quickly. We we don't want this massive fluctuation because then that impact comes as a, as a huge shock to the body and is going to give you that pain response. So first phase of off season, maybe we're just tipping, dipping our toe in the water. We're doing very basic impact. Maybe it's just landings from a box, absorbing your landings on two feet, driving your knees out. Uh, Maybe it's hopping through an agility ladder lightly. Maybe it's, you know, 20 second bouts of skipping, which just kind of sends a kind of shockwave up the entire body. Uh, Good for the bone density, good for the joints. Make sure you're maintaining your impact in your training. The other thing um, we need to make sure that we are including in our training, uh, I say this all the time, probably one of the most forgotten parts of vertical jump training is jumping your highest and getting up to full speed. So I think even athletes that uh, are really focused on increasing their vertical jump and they're maybe getting faster, they forget how important it is to jump maximally, to sprint maximally. And this is where things like um, timing gates and jump mats come into play because they force athletes to jump maximally. I watch athletes all the time, once again, eyeball test, and it just looks, it just looks like they're operating at 90%. 90% does not get you faster. Going for a jog does not make you better at sprinting. We have to run maximally. We have to jump 
maximally. Mm-hmm. So find a good surface to do that on, but you can get strong, but it will not translate until you're also pairing that with the skill of jumping and the skill of jumping maximally. I think that's really, really important. Totally. Send it hundred <laughs> percent. Rachel loves to sprint the other athletes at our outdoor speed and plyo day. <laughs> I, I just make her do it ice cold too. I'm like, Hey Rachel, oh. throw them out to sprint. Rachel was a really good sprinter. I think you have a bit of a track background from high school. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Um, my, my one, uh, she was our Miss Steven. She was our, um, outdoor oh, yeah. teacher and she was also our track coach and she, yeah, like figured out that I could run fast and put me in all the sprints. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Rachel yeah. You lucked out with her as a coach. That's legit. <laughs> yeah. No, Steven's super mom? legit. Sorry. Is that like Taryn Sieben and uh, yeah. Skylar Sieben's mom? Oh, yeah, you okay. got it. Yeah. So she was our, she was our track coach. Shout out to Esther Sieben. Wow. Wow. Well, that's good. Yeah. I think Rachel still uh, has the 20 meter sprint record at UFC. Is that right? Yeah. Nice. Got it. Oh. And, uh, and the T test, I believe. I'm, I'm Sweet. Get someone to beat both of those this year. Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> you can't have a record forever. We're going to keep pumping out better athletes. <laughs> uh, what else do we need to include here? Um, uh, cardio, cardio and conditioning. So I think especially more so in the women's game, not that we don't need it in the men's game, but often the men's game is like a five second rally points over. We do get some long ones, but uh, in a lot of ways we can just kind of tough it out. Be like, I had one long rally. I'll be recovered in like two points time here in the women's game. You guys get rallies. Holy moly. Um, so your conditioning has to be on point. Um, nothing crazy with this one, but include a little bit of hit. So some, uh, interval training. So it might be one of my favorites. I actually did this in the field with, uh, Graham Vigras last year, um, uh, behind his house, he's got this massive hill and it was, we had to do a 30 meter hill sprint as fast as we could. And then we had one minute to get back to the bottom of the hill. It was actually one minute for the whole lap. So if your hill sprint took 15 seconds to go the 30 meters, you had 45 seconds left to go to the bottom and you had to do that 10 times. Holy moly. I did that once (laughs) and I never came back. Oh, I did that same workout with Brett when he was home. And, And I used to be faster than Brett. We used to do some track stuff together and he, it was terrible. Oh my gosh. Like it's quick turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got burnt 10 for 10. Like I, I was, I was just, especially on the first one, I was like, I think I can beat him on the first one. Yeah. And I was like so hard out of the gates and I just got smoked 10 for 10. Everyone I lost. He's got a pretty good stride. I would imagine. So yeah, that's what, I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it. Yeah. It was just the stride. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another thing that we like to throw into the off season training is cross train. So volleyball is pretty predictable. Our approach always looks the same. Our, uh, our serve always looks the same. Our blocking movements are always the same. Usually vast majority to one side, you're a left side or you're a right side or a setter. Um, so all, a lot of our movements in volleyball are smaller movements or they all look the same. So we need to get some unpredictability in your training. So sometimes we'll just throw in um, crazy stuff for the sake of throwing in crazy stuff when we're in the gym. Like we'll get like, what did I do the other day? I had like someone put a cone on their head, balance on one leg, whip around the body blade and try and catch the Hiko sticks or whatever at the same time. And it's just like for the sake of like getting their brain active and um, sometimes um, being sports specific is not being sports specific is throwing some randomness your way. So I just think cross training is a great time yeah. to do that right now. Hopefully you have a couple close contacts you can play spike ball with, you can shoot hoops with, uh, I love basketball and soccer for this because you're going to get a lot of unpredictable nature, a lot of change of direction, starting, stopping lateral movement, all these things that we don't see a ton of in volleyball. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Just don't go to zero to a hundred. Don't, uh, 
you know, fully go full out down a basketball court if you haven't done any basketball for four years. Yeah, that's a really good point too, is uh, it's easy to get caught up and like just have the time of your life playing basketball. But the same way we would periodize um, a a training plan, we should kind of periodize our cross training. Like I'm playing 10 minutes of medium intensity basketball today, next day, 12 minutes, next day, 14 minutes. Okay. Now I'm going to turn up the intensity a little bit for 20 minutes, whatever. Right. Um, Make sure we're periodizing all of these, just like we would anything else in our training as well. For sure. Sure. And have fun with it. Have fun with it. That's the thing too, is um, if you're wanting to be a high performance athlete, if you're wanting to go far with this, uh, you need to make sure you find the training that you enjoy. So uh, we can talk about being like the perfect training plan all we want, but if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. So I'd rather, I, I make fun of like Rachel going hiking all the time and how boring it is and how slow twitch it is. But if that was the only exercise, if the other option for Rachel was I'm sitting on the couch because I hate training so much, then I'd say, go, go for it. Go hike. If that's the only thing, the only other option we have, find something that's fun for you that you're at least going to do It's better than nothing. I mean, ultimately, hopefully you love the gym. Hopefully if you work with us, you enjoy working with us so much that you're motivated to come to the gym and we've fostered that environment, but find something that you enjoy and get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like you just hate on my hiking because you don't like hiking. It's <laughs> too slow. <laughs> I want to go fast. Vroom, vroom. Do trail you running. Always go faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would. So we've got brown paws. And I've enjoyed hiking a lot more since we got Brown Paws because he's just just like is ready to go. He's enjoying it. Um, I I understand how like parents feel now. It's like my kid enjoys it. So I enjoy it too. Yeah. You know, dad moment. It's crazy that uh, like, I don't have kids, but I imagine you must really like your kids because of how much I like my dog. <laughs> People talk about that all the time. Like, I loved my dog. I loved my dog. And then as soon as I had kids, it was like my kid was like everything. Like, the dog is like, you know, back of the bus, right? <laughs> but uh, so kids must be awesome. It must be fun to have kids. They yeah. do seem fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't need them. We work with enough of them. They're all our kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of weird yeah. okay <laughs> moving on <laughs> okay we are going to move on to our unsigned hype so we have a little bit of an update for our uh, our last um athletes we were talking about in podcast number two yeah so uh actually not a full unsigned hype episode we actually don't have one for you today this is just going to be an update Basically, we're at that time of the year where everyone's kind of committed. Uh, We could start to go on to our second crop of athletes, which is now our 17Us going 18Us. But holy moly, they're committing so quick right now. Uh, So first and foremost, our first ever unsigned hype was Nathan Lucan. Uh, Congratulations, Nathan. He has committed to Nate. He's going to do awesome. Or not Nate, sorry. He He has committed to Keanu. He's committed to Keanu College. So he's going to do awesome up there. He's uh, longest arms in the world. He's going to do really, really good. Uh, Our unsigned hype for today was supposed to be Kate Larrigan. Uh, And by the time we got around to actually making her the unsigned hype, she had committed as well. So congratulations, Kate. She's going to TRU. Uh, I had to throw this in because we had already quizzed her on like the questions we had for unsigned hype. And I thought this was so funny. Uh, her favorite exercise in the gym is face pulls. I love that. <laughs> and I love that so much. Face pulls. I love it. So congratulations, Kate. Uh, Kate's a beast. She's been with us a long time and uh, she's now touching about 10 feet. So uh, really looking forward to watching both of you guys at the next level. And then just recently in the last couple of days, Luke Nodwell and Max Penner are going to UFC to play with the men's program. Uh, these guys are a ton of fun. 
uh, had them in our summer programs last year, and I hope they'll be back if we ever get up and running again here in this pandemic. Uh, they were out at our speed days. They're kind of a thorn in my side. They're kind of goofy, but uh, <laughs> they're pretty awesome. So uh, congrats to you guys. And then uh, Callie Ball uh, from the Dinos Volleyball Club, Junior Dinos. She's going out to Brandon, just had her press release the other day. Congrats, Woo! Callie. Callie's uh, dad is the one that made our Polish boxes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. So, special place in my heart for Callie <laughs> because those Polish boxes are primo, beautiful. Nice. Okay, so now part of our rookieing for Mariah, we're going to do a little, <laughs> <laughs> a little question period here for you. Are you ready? All right. Ready. Do you, do you need to <laughs> mentally prepare or you just, you're good to go? <laughs> awesome okay will you start us off here okay the hard-hitting questions buckle up uh, okay so jump float or spin serve well for me float um i think if you've got a wicked spin the answer is different but there's so many average spins and I remember, well, Rob Ellis, shout out, like 10 years ago said to me, um, a, a great float is better, or a good float is better than a good spin. A great spin is better than a great float. So I think if you're in that great category, the spin, but um, I just don't think most people are. Yeah. The jump float doesn't get any love these days, hey? Everyone wants to spin. But any passer will tell you, like, unless you are ripping on it, we'd rather pass a, a spin any day, unless you're absolutely tugging on it. So, yeah, totally. Totally. That's the short answer. <laughs> well Contact for further paragraphs. Yeah. <laughs> All my answers are paragraphs. <laughs> Contact for an essay. Okay. Relish. Yucky or yummy? Definitely yucky. That's gross. Yeah. It's yeah. sweet. Pickles. Oh. Yeah. I don't know where, like, like, why do they still make relish? Like, who's out there buying relish on a consistent <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't know. People still have it in their fridges for some reason. Maybe they come in those three packs for barbecues. <laughs> Maybe they're using it in chicken salad. That's the only thing I use relish for. You put just a little in your chicken salad sandwich. Do you really think that helps your chicken salad? <laughs> it gives it a little crunch. You want but, a little crunch. But you can just chop up a pickle. A pickle? In chicken yeah. salad? Yeah. Crazy. She's Why lost her mind. I'll have to bring pickles. it over one day. We can have it at JVC. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, I like this one. I like this one. If you were to play another position, what would it be? Non setter. Hmm. I thought Definitely every setter wanted to be a hitter. Yeah, but which kind of hitter? Um, yeah, I think I think being a left side would be fun. Um, could kind of just like let let loose a little bit, you know, hit hard. <laughs> I think at a really high level, being an opposite would be fun. <laughs> Oh yeah, you don't have um, to do anything. Just hit ball, block yeah. ball. You, you don't even have to make digs. They're like, that's cool, that's cool. You can just hit. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you I think at, one, at like a really fine. high level, definitely opposite. Um, yeah. But I have a bit of a control problem, so I like I like setting. <laughs> that's, that's a setter right there. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I have another kind of side question to this. What about another sport? If it wasn't volleyball, what sport mm -hmm. would it be? Ooh, good one. I always wish I was a sprinter. Wow. Like really, yeah. Yeah. Or tennis. <laughs> unique answer. Yeah, I thought about this one for sure. <laughs> this is a unique answer. So uh, I'm going to be honest and no offense to any of the track people out there. Track looks like no fun at all. Like even sprinting, you know how much you'd be freaking out before your race? Like if you yeah. don't come out of those blocks perfectly, the race is already over. You just like prepared for like six months and your race is over. Yeah, no, it's so different. Like I, volleyball, you can, you can screw up so much. <laughs> um, that's, yeah. 
That's the beautiful thing about volleyball that I really like about volleyball. And I try, um, I try to like teach this to young athletes because I actually struggled with the mental side of the game a lot. I would freak out way too much. I just couldn't get in the moment or whatever. But I think one of the easiest ways to remind youth athletes of that is there's no such thing as a perfect game of volleyball. Like you screw up so many times in a game that you have to learn to let those like roll off your back. Right. So um, like, I don't know what's like the closest thing to a perfect game. You probably still made like five, 10 mistakes. Oh, more for sure. <laughs> yeah. Or your team, like other people could have made mistakes yet. Yeah. You're still yeah. Having a really good game. Totally. It's. um, Yeah. It's, I it's think it's funny. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. I think it's interesting though, too, if you talk to like a track athlete, cause I've, I've thought about that a lot because I'm like, whoa, like that is like so much pressure just on you, right? Cause it's an individual sport. It's only on you. But what a lot of them will say, like I have a couple of friends that are pretty um, high level track athletes, one NCAA. And she's like, it's the exact opposite for me. Like I, when I was playing team sports, I felt like everybody was kind of depending on me to do my job. And if I didn't, I let my team down. Whereas Mm. if I mess up in track, I only let me down and that's okay because I take full responsibility. So it's, it's really interesting to see that other side of it. Totally. Yeah. 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 So super cool. Good question, Will. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it up with my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Phone call or text. (laughs) Mm. I feel like I'm always giving too much context, but <laughs> it's just like Will, the last oh. time tried to play like the answer in like five words or less, and he failed. Go no, figure, I, hey! Like, Surprise. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think I do like a phone call. I feel like it's kind of annoying sometimes when you're texting. So right now, I'm really into the audio message, as you guys know. I've noticed that. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's fast. Um, then you get the tone, mm-hmm. but you don't have to like schedule a time. So I guess I'm just always assuming that people are in a place where they can listen to me talk, um, which isn't always <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I've been working from home for too long, but um, yeah, I lean towards a call. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. actually going off the board and saying audio message. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever sent her audio message until Mariah had sent me an audio message. I was like, this is kind of cool. <laughs> is that That's why you great. sent me that one the other day? Oh yeah. I learned it's a, it's a lifestyle now. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. Your time I like is it. valuable. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. Will, you're uh, what's it? Oh yeah. It's my question. Sorry. I'm falling asleep on the job over here. Oh my. Uh, dump or turn and burn. Mm. Well, for me, it's for sure a dump. <laughs> I never quite <laughs> grasp the turn and burn, but I, it's cool. Like I wish I did. Um, I'm, I'm really into like the, the two handed wipe, honestly, mm-hmm. that, you know, near the, awesome. the mm-hmm. latter end of my career, pretty fun. Cause like, it's easy, very hard to block. And, um, I think it's psychologically demeaning for the, there's nothing worse as a, like an outside hitter or something to get two handed wiped by a center. <laughs> you just like hang your head, go back to the huddle, say, sorry. <laughs> That's such a Canadian always thing. Fun. <laughs> Going back to the huddle and being like, sorry guys. Sorry guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Okay. So wrapping it up here in summary from podcast number three today, one plan for where you are in your season Two: reflect if you have injuries and spend time rehabilitating those injuries, whether that's physio, athletic therapy, et cetera. I think we all have good contacts and experience with that type of stuff. So if you're lost, um, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Three, Make a plan based on your equipment availability. Four, focus on hypertrophy first. Five, include and maintain impact. Six, get up to full speed and full jumps. 
seven, cross train, and eight, have fun. As we discussed, it makes it way easier if you're enjoying what you're doing. And remember, no chicken legs. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, anything else to add here, guys? I don't think so. I think we nailed it. Okay, cool. That is all. Thank you for tuning in again today. We hope that you enjoyed podcast number three. And thank you for all of your support. We really appreciate it. Remember to follow us on almost every social media platform at young underscore fitness underscore YYC. Young Fitness is the home of high-performance, volleyball-specific training in Southern Alberta. They provide elite strength and conditioning and on-court training to athletes of all ages and pride themselves on an amazing team of former U-sport volleyball players. Their training is volleyball training for volleyball players by volleyball players. See you next time. Bye. Bye.